Hello, and welcome to the CEO Blind Spots Show, where leaders reveal their blind spots and best practices. I'm your host, Birgit Camps, and today's guest is Jay Moore, who's the president of the Americas in Europe for Human Factors International, which is a company that is a complete customer experience integrator that has done well over a quarter of a billion dollars with Fortune 500 companies, and it focuses on the most complex systems in the world. Welcome to the show, Jay. Thank you very much for inviting me, Birgit. It's a pleasure to be on this show. Yeah, I'm so grateful that our mutual friend connected us because he was saying, you always talk about blind spots and I always talk about blind spots. So before I say anything else, I mean, you've had so many successes. Why don't you tell us what are some of the reasons why you think you and your company have succeeded? Sure. So both of us have a keen interest in blind spots. And I think that what's helped me over 33 years plus helping to grow HFI has been to help myself and others not only discover their blind spots, but most importantly, their superpower, which we do both. It really helps leaders develop greater clarity, focus, and happiness. And in fact, I got so enthusiastic about this topic, I want to write a book on it. And you see, somebody may say, well, wait a minute, what is a superpower? Well, imagine a great pyramid. The eye is the leader's vision. Under the eye are the leader innate superpowers. They could be good in leadership. They could be good, very intuitive. They could be have infinite organizing power. There's so many superpowers that we have. But if you ask anybody, what are your superpowers? They can't say them. Somebody that's in their 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, they can't readily articulate them. Some can, but most can. So I think that's a very important thing that each leader be crystal clear on what are their superpowers. Yeah. It sounds to me like you get the best out of people and that's how your company has grown globally and done extremely well in a very competitive area. So what would you say are your superpowers as a leader? Oh, I think um, certainly, you know, leadership, marketing and sales skills. I'm, I'm analytic. I'm empathetic. Those are just a few. And I love working with teams and groups. And I, I discovered that blind spots are in three categories, known knowns, known unknowns, and unknown unknowns. And that may be a little bit of a jumble, but what it means is there are things that we know about ourselves that refuse to change. Things that others are too afraid to tell us about, but it's really good to get feedback from others and be open to mitigating those blind spots. And, and lastly, unknown unknowns are things that, well, nobody knows yet. Our friends don't know and we don't know. But if we continue exploring and being open to those, they will surface too. Now, what does blind spot have to do with superpowers? Well, as we mitigate and create a plan to mitigate each blind spot, our superpowers become more amplified. What are the blind spots? They're eclipses. They're an eclipse over the sun. The sun is the superpower. As we begin to undo the eclipse, we have more sunshine from each superpower. Letting the visions shine stronger because the superpowers empower the vision. And you can think of the Great Pyramid of Cheops as the master pyramid of superpowers and vision. Smaller pyramids are the missions that we are engaging in. And that's very important that we distinguish between our grand vision and the different missions that we're on depending on the particular uh, focus we are on. But either way, mitigating the blind spots, I think is money in the bank. Yeah. So tell me, when was the time when you discovered your blind spot as a leader? You know, I think it came out more during the Great Recession, where we're all faced with getting through an arduous challenge. And we discover that we're just bumping into ourselves sometimes. And so I would say that was the aha experience. And that is really where I had that clarity that I need to document my blind spots and I need to document my superpowers. And I think you think of it this way. Think of it as superpowers. They're diamonds, but diamonds can be in the rough. They need 
need to be cut, they need to be polished, and they need to be put in the right setting. And each mission that we go on is the different setting, the different setting where the diamond can shine. And the, super, the blind spots get in the way. Yeah. So what was the aha moment? Did someone tell you, hey, Jay, this is your blind spot? Or what was the, the specific example of when you discovered it? I went to the Center for Creative Leadership. All our leaders went there and they do an exhaustive analysis of your leadership skill. Mm -hmm. and, and, and one of them said to me, look, look, one of your blind spots is that you tend to blame others. And I said, I do. And that was an unknown unknown. Okay. And then sometimes our blind spot can be a positive one, right? So for example, I happen to know that your CEO, you've known him for over 30 years. So if you had a long-term relationship in business, that's pretty remarkable. And you also, I happen to on the personal side of things, the friend that connected us, Sukaishi David, you've also been friends with him for over 30 years. So it seems to me like another one of your superpowers is you figure out how to have long-term relationships with people, regardless of challenges. What would you say? Yeah. Yes, period. I think that that's definitely one of the, the strengths or superpowers. You're absolutely right. I'm lucky. Yes. And then you guys have relationships with clients. You know, you've, you've done work with, as I said earlier, Fortune 500 companies, Caterpillar, American Express, Goldman Sachs, Ernst & Young, you name it. How is it that you managed to do that? Well, I think that, that that's a good question. And that leads to a couple of the blind spots that we've been able to mitigate. The first blind spot was when I first started, my first degree is in engineering, and, and then I went to business school. And then I worked for two other consulting companies before I came to HFI. And I thought, well, it's all about growing revenue. And then that blind spot was, wait a minute. No, it's about growing a brand. That was the key to making HFI, working with the team to make HFI a global brand. Why is a brand important? Well, because it affects people's psychology. It helps increase awareness and word of mouth. It helps in positioning and defining differentiated value. It helps with trust and loyalty. It contributes to employee excitement and involvement, helps with competition, which is important. And I feel it's been a privilege to grow a brand and really make a mark in doing what we do best, which is conquering complexity. And what's that? Well, we tackle the most complex systems, as you said in the introduction, medical yeah. systems, industrial systems, where you just would want to run out the door. It's so complicated. It's like cracking a safe. That's the analogy. And I think that's been a real joy to help grow a brand, to turn a blind spot into, no, we're going to grow a brand. Let's grow a brand. And that's been a very exciting journey. I would say the other blind spot that very few will, will see, I've been in this for more than three decades. Well, what happened? We were early to the game. We were the leader in the beginning in UX. And what happens is over decades, things change. You don't see it over five years, but over 10, 20, and 30 years, you'll begin to notice what I call phase transition. Any industry has that. Fortunately, we were able to use some of our techniques that we offer our clients to help mitigate that journey across the decade. We offer a plethora of tools such as user research, futurism, etc. And one has to be open to what I call weak signals, where you have to pick up like a radio telescope, signals that may not be obvious and bring them into manifestation. If you keep doing the same thing, it may not necessarily work over decades. In our case, we our offerings were very broad in the beginning, in the first decade, even in the second decade. But as we went in the third decade, we really had to focus on complexity, on industrial complexity. Why? Because UX was becoming ubiquitous. Companies were hiring. It was being successful. And therefore, they were hiring UX people. Or all the organizations were beginning to absorb it, not necessarily successful at it, but they were beginning to absorb it. And so we had to really refine our what I call the differentiated value. Mm -hmm. And this case, it was complexity. 
Wow. So how did you make it through crisis? Because I could imagine that you definitely need to quickly detect which way to go. So tell us a little bit about... Well, I think this is one of my favorite questions. And I want to really advise everyone, the best way to deal with the crisis is to prepare for a crisis. Mm -hmm. Certainly, obvious things like keeping a healthy balance sheet and cash reserves to manage volatility are key. But I want to zoom in on two ways to prepare for a crisis that are more individual. Let me go to that. I first and foremost was privileged to be coached in a technique called energy leadership by Ben Schneider. He wrote the book, Energy Leadership, more than a decade ago. And I was coached through this during the Great Recession. And it really was one of the most important tools that helped me motivate myself and the entire team to traverse the shock of the recession and creatively navigate through it. Energy is everything. Mm -hmm. But why? Well, in a crisis, anybody can manage when there's no crisis, when things are growing or normal. But when there's a crisis, a recession or other crises, we need to raise our energy in the moment. And how do you do it? Ben teaches that there's a new thought that creates a new feeling and a new action, a different action. And most people and leaders get caught up in catabolic negativity. And ironically, this throws gasoline on the crisis. This becomes the fuel. Organizations are living, breathing organisms. And we need to treat them that way. We need to treat people that way. Way. When the going gets tough, we need to focus on what's going right, not what's going wrong. Yes, things are going wrong. Yes, we have to make changes and we can't be ignorant of that. But I remember I used to focus with my coach on, he'd say, what's going right this week? And I'd say nothing. And he'd say, no, tell me one thing. And I'd say one thing. Then the next week he'd say, what are two things? And suddenly that energy of focusing on what's going right, on anabolic energy, I was able to convey and excite the team. So I highly recommend Ben Schneider's new book, Seven Levels of Energy leadership. And soon I'm going to recommend your book whenever you publish it. Right. (laughs) Thank you. And lastly, I did allude to this. I would say I really recommend everybody identifies blind spots. I know this is sobering, right? Who wants to be analyzed analytically for one's hidden blind spots? But it's worth it because then we can mitigate the blind spots. By getting the blind spots, we can really set the stage for handling any crisis along with energy leadership. So So those are two ways I think that one can really prepare for the crisis and don't just let it overtake you like a tsunami. Well, and then there is another crisis that some companies are facing who have not hired you guys, right? Because the customer experience integration, the complexity of trying to understand consumers is coming more and more important. So if they want to know more about your services, they can go to humanfactors.com. It, but is there anything else you want to say about? Yes, they can um, send me a note, J-A-Y-J, humanfactors.com. And we have a CX UX leadership seminar that's complimentary, that's about two hours and I can send them invitations to that and the leaders and their team are welcome to really get a deep understanding of what is UX, what is CX, how to lead it and grow it in your organization and really make sure it succeeds and what are the pitfalls and how do we overcome them. And I will say that the sobering piece of information is 1.7 billion is spent in the United States on digital transformation. But are you sitting down for this? 70% fails. And part of the failure is due to throwing the black box at problems, throwing technology instead of driving the solution from the user's mental model, their ecosystem, their unique psychology, and then applying the technology to make sure that that system, solution, consumer site, whatever it may be, medical system is adopted and doesn't fail and is safe. 
So that's part of what motivates me because I think conquering complexities like cracking the safe and our technical staff is so amazing at dealing with that. So Jay, you guys have figured out how to even not just Fortune 500 companies, but how to help entrepreneurs figure out this digital game. What what's your what's your strategy? Well, I think that it goes back to the fact that classical market research is a bit superficial. Simply put, our process lets us understand blocks, drivers, belief systems of the user and then build the differentiated value, build what's different, not just on price, not just on features, but really what's going on in the user's head. What is their mental model? What's their psychology? Mm -hmm. And when you know those box belief systems and drivers, you can then know what technologies to use. It's that simple. Mm. Know thy user for they are not you. Boy, that's a that's a million dollar tip right there. It is. So it that's really probably is. why 70% of of digital strategies don't work because people haven't well, figured out the user's profile, right? Look at all the recent struggle with the metaverse and how tricky that is. And as one throws technology at that, does it does it get traction? Not necessarily. So there's a much deeper perspective of understanding the user. And th this whole field of what we call human factors, engineering, UX, by any word, it's all about driving from the user's psychology. And it's very engineering-like, but for the entrepreneur, it can be liberated because now they won't waste money building the wrong thing. Know thy user for they are not you and don't build the wrong thing. Wow. Well, I am so glad you chose to come on the show and, and share these best practices and, and also your own tips on how to lead effectively. So thank you again for taking Taking the time and for contributing to others the way you do. Birgit, it's been a pleasure and thank you for your inspiring questions and really trying to get these best practices to so many people. It's a great service you're doing.